This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I've picked up two new sports since I've been here. Uh, I started kiteboarding and I've really been able to dial in on my surfing. I've surfed before, but I was far from good. And uh, I've been able to had my best session last week so i'm really riding high off that just catching wave after wave and uh that that felt good and then yeah they have the spear fishing the fishing you know we've the yellowfin tuna bite is the best tuna bite i've seen here hot wahoo uh caught a marlin here yeah it can be hard to get out on the water but once you get plugged in uh you know it's 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 fun to get out to the surf breaks my name's Cole Harrison, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Man, got a great one. Really, going to venture to a different part of the world and find out what in the world is a Key West Conk doing in Fiji. And that's exactly what we're going to find out. We're going to catch up with Cole Harrison. He is triple C T R I P L E C dot Cole on Instagram. He's got a fantastic Instagram. That's where I found out about him. My friend Jake Perry told me about him and I uh, looked him up. And sure enough, man, he's doing some really amazing stuff. And we're going to find out about that uh, right away. But before we get there, we need to go over a couple of things. We've got a few things going on here. Um, we have always had a dedicated email address so that I could communicate with you. You can communicate with me. And that has worked out pretty well. But I think I found a better way to do that. And I want to uh, let you in on that. You can do this if you'd like. You can text me at 305-930-7346. That's 305-930-7346. And what that will do is it will open up a conversation between you and I. We can actually talk about things um, 
that's a little bit better than an email. It is definitely better than DMs. I cannot keep up with the DMs. Mostly it's spam in my social accounts, but uh and and I feel bad because a lot of people send me a DM on social media and I can't keep up with it. It's just spam and it doesn't get answered. So I would like to talk to you. I'd like to keep up with you. I'd like to get to know you better. The text is going to be the best way. It's not going to get any spam. And it is really me. That's not my cell phone, but it is a way that you can text me and I will text you back and you can give me show suggestions, guest suggestions, ask questions about the shows, whatever you like to do. That is the way. So that is 305-930-7346. Now, we'll still have the dedicated email address if you prefer to go that route, podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. Send me a text, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. I really value your suggestions on guests. We have taken a ton of those and actually tracked those people down that you suggested. Some outstanding suggestions. Some of our best shows have come from suggestions. So I invite you to uh, send me the text. Let me know what you think or who you think should be on the show, and we'll see if we can do it. We'll see if we can do it. That's a great way to do it. Now, we're going to get on to uh, our show with Cole Harrison. As I said, Cole Harrison is from Key West. He found his way to Tonga, um, which is way out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and he found his way there. He really liked it. He made his way back to Key West, and then he was spending some time there, and he kind of had a chance uh, meeting with someone and that turned into a way for him to go to Fiji. And the story's really cool. And the things that he's doing and and the fish that he's catching and spear fishing for over there are really cool. Fiji is a place that I've always wanted to go. It's definitely on my bucket list. It is a really a drop dead gorgeous place. And I would love to go there. It has some fish that we don't have like the dog tooth tuna. We're going to talk about the dog tooth tuna and how Cole is spearfishing for these fish and using the things that he learned uh, as a kid in Key West to take it over into the Pacific Ocean and uh, show them how they do it in Key West. So without any further ado, we've got uh, Cole Harrison, who is triple C dot Cole on Instagram. Definitely look him up. And uh, here we go with Cole. All right. What's up, Cole? How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Just starting off my day here in uh, beautiful Fiji on the West Coast here. Yeah, I appreciate you doing this at this time. It's uh, it's three o'clock on the East Coast, and uh, that means it's eight o'clock or seven o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning, your time, right? Yeah, we're actually a day ahead of you, so living in the future. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's uh, we're Saturday here, seven a.m. or nine a.m. at this point. I gotcha. (laughs) I got gotcha. you. So you're in Fiji and you're mm-hmm. a Key West waterman, a Key West kid ends up in Fiji. How does that happen? Uh, I mean, I fell in love with the South Pacific, uh, working in Tonga as a spearfishing guide, uh, whale swim guide for, uh, Rob Torelli. He gave me an opportunity when I was young, 24 year old to be, a in water guide boat captain excuse the two stroke outboard going by i'm in the <laughs> marina right now That's fine. um and uh you know just 
to be able to see all these different fish. I grew up, I know all the fish back home, but to jump in an ocean and not have a clue what anything is, was just mind boggling. It was yeah. like another planet. So, uh, I did two seasons there and then I had, I met a seaplane pilot in Key West, uh, two years ago. And he's like, I have a sailboat sitting in Tahiti, ready to go. We, <laughs> uh, and pretty much I was a hundred percent in once I heard that and tried to do everything I could to make it happen. And you know, it, actually went as planned go figure <laughs> wow and so why why did he have a sailboat just sitting in tahiti and what brought him to uh, key west you know he he wanted to sail he is a spearfisher himself and uh he bought it in the u.s uh virgin islands and he sailed it through the panama canal uh to the galapagos and then crossed the pacific and uh arrived all the way in the, yeah, all the way in French Polynesia. And uh, it was a, a break to get back home. Yeah. You know, they have a sailing season. So after the season, they, they flew back. And uh, then the boat just sat there on a mooring for a year. And uh, boats don't like that. So he was definitely keen to get back and get sailing, especially before he had his uh, baby girl. This is uh, Adam Schwitz, by the way. And he was uh, flying seaplanes to the dry Tortugas down in Key West while just looking for uh, a way to spear. And that's how we met. And I sailed across uh, 2,500 miles with uh, two guys that I haven't even really known for a year. And we had a blast. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. So did you sail in Key West? What do you know about sailing? So I did the Key West sailing camp when I was a kid. Like uh sailing uh, right there in key haven in key haven lake in garrison bite in garrison uh, oh okay garrison bite right yeah uh, the little uh square boats and then uh eventually to the sunfish and then the laser but uh my parents actually sailed into key west in 79 on a 38 foot sailboat that they built in the mountains of costa rica in 1970 so uh they lived on that sailboat for 10 years. So I kind of had it in my blood, I guess. But uh, this was the first uh, passages that I've been crossing. Yeah. Large bodies of water. <laughs> did it go smoothly? Or was it... Was it, uh... it... It really did. Like, uh, no one no one got hurt. Um, my left foot really just got the brunt of everything. <laughs> Stubbing my toes and toenails. <laughs> Besides my left foot, no one got hurt, and um, we caught some amazing fish. Nothing broke on the boat. It was really – we actually stuck to the original game plan and where we were going as well, which is uh, so these pretty, guys, pretty wild. These guys that you, you hooked up with, you, you didn't know them before this, this – um, or- I met – I met Adam Schwitz at Salute on the beach there okay. in the U.S. Yeah. Had some beer, started talking, and then uh, so he made we the back. he made the the trip from Tahiti to Fiji with you. Uh, yeah, he is okay. the captain. Okay, cool. So it's his sailboat, and then uh, we needed a third guy, so I brought in uh, Alex Thomas, who my mom's wanting me to uh, link up with since I was like twenty one, 
and I'd never actually met him until I was like, Oh, maybe he's keen and I asked <laughs> him and he was just like me a hundred percent from the get go. And, uh, you know, we never looked back, just charged it. <laughs> oh, 2000 miles over 2000 miles from, from Tahiti to Fiji. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. So how long does that yeah. take? Uh, we were under, uh, we had a timeline. So Adam had to get back to his, uh, pregnant wife and make his anniversary. And Alex was taking time off work. So he had to get back to work. And I kind of saw the opportunity to, uh, watch the sailboat because, uh, you know, boats don't like to sit. They need someone on them to watch. And I had a long, hard, uh, talks with uh, my mate Chris Mendola with Far Out Charters who I was working with at the time and tried him as much heads up as possible. I think I told him five months in advance uh, that I probably wasn't going to be returning and tried to train up the next guy. And, uh, you know, it, it worked out really well, I, I think. And uh, lucky I have a good friend in Chris and he understood completely where I was coming from. Why did they go? Want to go explore? He's been to Tonga, so he knows as well how special the South Pacific is. Yeah, man. <laughs> I want to know uh, that. That's super cool. So you get there, and then, and then at that point, you just find a way to make a living. Did you know anything about Fiji at this point, or did you know how you were gonna uh, make a living, or do any plans there at all, or did you just kind of figure it's, it out? Uh, I just try to figure it out. You know, I. I mean, it's pretty interesting. The So we sail in. No, I know nothing of Fiji. Uh, I know a little bit about Tonga. I've been to Tonga three times at this point, but uh, Fiji I knew nothing about. And uh, Adam leaves. In, we get there. Adam leaves two days after, and I think Alex leaves the next day. So after three days, these guys who I've been staying with, they're just gone. And now I'm by myself on a sailboat in the marina and uh but crazy enough the first person we met was one of the old owners of the boat we were on what that that bought the boat in south africa wow so heritage yes uh sailing yacht heritage that was built in south africa we met like one of i think the third owner that was like the first one to actually go sailing on it and cross the atlantic on it uh, with his partner at the time. And I ended up meeting these two people. One of them's, uh, uh, their family owns the Marina where we're staying at. And the other one owns, uh, Baobab Marine, one of, or the biggest, uh, Marine, <laughs> uh, shops here in Fiji. So, uh, just, I was very well connected right, right there. And, uh, you know, I'm not working over here, but at the same time I'm working, overseas trying to sell my photos do some videos uh you know just trying to hustle really any way i can uh help promoting some things social media kind of helps uh sold some stock today try to wheel and deal in that you know just try to hustle try to make it work any any little income really helps so yeah, uh for sure just trying to figure it out you as know, i go <laughs> we've had i've had so many people on this podcast that have done something similar to this and in all these different walks of life. Some of them have been uh, sailboat people. Um, one uh, person that I talk about often is um, 
this this homemade wanderlust. She she figured out how to become a, a professional backpacker. She she hiked the Appalachian Trail and then she hiked the Continental Divide Trail and then she did the um the Pacific Crest Trail and she started making like YouTube videos and developed this whole community around her and then got the Patreon thing going on. And the uh, same with same with these other sailboat uh, people, the SV Delos people, the uh, the um, sailing sophisticated lady, uh, Rick Moore. He was on the show, and man, there. I mean, it is a viable way to make a living. It seems like you could do the same thing. Like you are in the coolest place, doing the coolest things. People would want to see that. Yeah, I I try to do my best to. Uh, try to share it you know there's a lot that goes into it and uh, being in an amazing place like this sometimes it's hard to be behind your computer and editing videos and all of that some so it kind of gets stored up um, on the hard drive and unloading it can be difficult at sometimes but uh I mean it's it's very possible I've seen uh, some spear fishers are starting to tap into it um, I had a uh, one video go viral, which kind of jump started my YouTube uh, channel, and I kind of saw the potential with that. Mm. So I do do some videos on there and uh, trying to trying to adapt. And this is my first podcast, so yeah, thank right you on. for having me. So this is new to me, my first Zoom call. Jeez, there you go, man. You're on know. it now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it looks like the weather is perfect. The le- the leaves of the trees behind you are barely even moving. Is that is that just because you're uh in in shelter or is the is the Yeah, so we're perfect? on we're on the west coast here. This is a uh, Vunda Marina here and you can see this is the only place you could take out uh catamarans and they have cyclone pits. We are just entering cyclone season. So uh this is the most cyclone safe marina. Yeah in uh, for sailboats so they can either take you out of the water and uh, put your keel down into a cyclone pit where they dig it out so Mm. it's not on stilts yeah and uh, i'm in the water so i'm putting my stern chains and uh, took my anchor off i'll put my chain on the center buoy and uh, this is the west coast so this is kind of like the bay of fiji um the the leeward side of the trade winds so it generally is pretty calm here and then uh just to your south, you got all the surf breaks about well, 15, 15 I'm, miles. I'm sure that you've been keeping keeping up with it, but back home and and uh, all through, uh, particularly Louisiana this year has just been. Uh, there have been a lot of hurricanes, a lot of storm activity. Uh, we even just had had one that came right over Key West. It didn't it wasn't a hurricane. It was a it was a, a tropical storm, but the weather's been really bad. Um, so how do you think, you know, growing up in Key West and, and being very familiar with, with hurricanes, what is the, the, is it, do you see cultural differences with people that live in, in like Fiji with cyclones and, and is the preparation kind of similar? I mean, you already mentioned that there was like a cyclone pit that you put a, put a sailboat in, um, are there differences in how they prepare there and how they live around cyclones and how we live around hurricanes or is it pretty similar? Um, it's, it's different, but very similar in most aspects, you know, there, there's professionals, there's experts. They like to call everything 
they don't have the crazy news media to hype it up, you know, then you're lucky if there's one TV on at the bar. So there's no one really watching TV. Uh, the most useful thing I use is, uh, my windy app, yeah. um, where you can blow it out and you actually see all the, all the weather patterns, see how things are circulating. And basically I'm just looking for spinning formations that are uh, forming off of uh, Vanuatu and the Solomon islands. Uh, I was fortunate to go there and had a cyclone form on top of me. And then I flew in the day before the cyclone hit Fiji. So it formed on me in the Solomons and then I flew into it and rode it out here in uh, Fiji. And uh, we had a category, uh, I think they love like category five. Yeah. Cyclone Herald last year. Uh, so that would, that I rode be, out. would that be like a category five hurricane? I mean, is that yeah. the, the, the scales yeah, kind of similar? Good. Yeah. Man. So uh, I've been in every hurricane that's hit Key West. I've been present uh, since I've been alive. So I get it. You have to respect them. Um, some people didn't really respect that last hurricane because uh, it was right as the lockdown. I was locked down in our, my town. I couldn't even get out if I wanted to. Mm. Uh, they weren't letting people in and out of the airport. So uh, it, it was a wild ride, but at the same time, uh, they just kind of slept on the hurricane and the south side kind of kind of got hammered a few spots did um, just because people's minds were on one other, other things. Yeah. That's interesting. Like on an island like that, out in the middle of, I mean, Fiji is is way out. And how did they handle the 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 coronavirus? Did they not allow? You said they didn't allow anyone in or out. Um, yeah, borders got closed, and they were uh, doing re re repatriation flights. So uh, people flying home to their origins, basically, and. Uh, I was stuck in the area with the first cases. So uh, they shut our entire, uh, that whole Providence down. So there was no one in, no one out. I mean, they were arresting police officers that were crossing the border. Wow. Uh, they were not messing around. No one in, no one out. Um, yeah. They Did you get it? Uh, no, no. We only had, I think... Last time I checked, we had up to 18 cases. I mean, they just locked it down and uh, put up a strict curfew. And I mean, they were arresting 100 people uh, a night. And like I said, they didn't care if you were a police officer or you were uh, walking the street late home. Like they would, uh, they would throw you in jail for breaking curfew. And with so, I'm very proud of how they handled it because there hasn't been much crime. The, there's still a curfew in effect uh, still. And uh, I think it's hasn't been a bad thing. Um, you know, I think pe people feel safe and they really just isolated it. Yeah. We, now we have, uh, there is tourism allowed, but you have to do a mandatory 14 day quarantine in a hotel that wow. they, and I mean, there's even they're assigning military to <laughs> watch over people, not watch over, but like, but apparently it's not that bad. I've talked to people and you can go on walks and you have food and you're still at a resort, but you're quarantined until you're able to go out, you get another test and then you're fine. 
So uh, I think we're still well under maybe well under 50 cases. Wow. Total. So 50 cases in, in the, in the uh, area that you're talking about, what do you think the population is there? Um, there's just under a million people here in Fiji. And the most cases I think we got up to was 26. Oh. Uh, and uh, most of those were cure by the time. So I, there might not be any active cases right here. Yeah. Seems like that's um, the ultimate bubble. Like they're putting the the athletes in a bubble where, you know, you're just with, uh, with your team and, and you can't go out, you can't do anything. So they figure, you know, they contain everything and hopefully they can have a, a healthy basketball team or football team or whatever. But, no. uh, that's the, that's the ultimate bubble. You're out in the middle of the, of the ocean. And if they, they can, call it, the, they call it what they call it the Bula, the Bula bubble, the Bula bubble. <laughs> That's what you say to people here in Fiji. You see someone, you say bula, and that means you're wishing them life. Right on. And uh, happiness. So the bula culture is unreal. Like, you don't walk past someone in the street without saying bula or uh, yandra, which means morning or something like that. And it's uh, the culture is really, really incredible here. And uh, it's been interesting meeting all these incredible people that are normally busy, like all these people that are normally up to their neck and tourists now really don't have much to do. So you're catching up with all these eccentric people out at the surf breaks or maybe able to sneak out fishing with them. So it's been a really unique experience because I don't know if I would quite enjoy Fiji as much if there was a ton of tourists running around all the time and crowded surf breaks. I wouldn't be able to learn. I'd be nervous. Here's a sailboat going by. Yeah. Man, that place, I mean, there's some frothers right there. Sailing with six. <laughs> right on. Give them, give them a follow there. Sailing with six. They're one of those families that uh, it, it's incredible. Watch the little kids out there surfing. I mean, they're kiteboarding uh, together on shoulders. And it's, Man, that's <laughs> it's awesome. Insane. Where so are they, they from? Uh, Do you know them? Uh, I believe I just know them from the surf breaks. They're coming in. They came in through the blue lane. So I think they were in New Zealand. They call it the blue lane. So they actually let sailboats into Fiji because, you know, sailors actually have, uh, something prepared for this. It's called the Q flag and you quarantine. So, I mean, this isn't anything that, uh, hasn't been installed like for, sailors like you fly the q flag i'm coming from a different country you wait you see you have someone on board check them out make sure they're not sick or bringing anything and uh you know that's basically what they're doing now there's a few people here stuck and can't run from the cyclones so there i think 70 something sailboats came in and now uh some of them want to go back to new zealand for the cyclone season to kind of run from them but uh New Zealand's very being very picky on who they're letting in, mostly super yachts or someone that could, uh, you know, contribute to their economy. And I think that's like by 60 grand or something wow. like that. Wow, you got to pay 60 grand to get in. Or just up saying that my business, like if you're going to do yard work or buy, you need to buy something or you're going to sell your sailboat and that they'll tax you, I think, uh, 20% or more on your boat. Mm. If you import it or, it's uh ah, it's just wild times i understand where new zealand's coming from they have their that's the ultimate bubble down there 
Fiji basically does what New Zealand does. So yeah. uh, they wait for them to make a decision and then generally Fiji will follow with similar suit. Wow. So um, how much have you, uh, I mean, judging by your Instagram, Jake Perry, first of all, told me that uh, that you were doing some really cool stuff. So I started following you a while back. We made contact on Instagram and I've been following your Instagram. It's really good. It's triple uh, C. Uh, triple spelled out T R I P L E C dot Cole C O L E. That's his Instagram. If you want to go check it out and man, the pictures and the underwater photography on this Instagram are incredible. The underwater looks above water. The water is so clear <laughs> there. It is just, it's just, is it always like that? Or I mean, God, that the pictures that you have on here are amazing. I mean, it really looks like there's no water there in some of these. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of the allure of the South Pacific right. is that uh, you have you have clear water, then you have like Bahamas water, and yeah. then I found you have uh, the South Pacific where it can go like up to close to 200 feet of visibility, and it's just it's uh you know it's it's rare we're coming up on rainy season so as it rains you get a uh, runoff from the hills and everything and it can cloud the water up it's not always like that but uh you know there's there's certainly magical days out here where it comes all together um the further out you go the more remote obviously the better so uh i actually have a big trip planned coming up uh, uh Tuesday, I'll be leaving Wednesday, your time, and um, going up north to uh, Savu Savu uh, with some local spearfishers, and we're going to spend two weeks up there and uh, go hunt some some big Spanish mackerels and uh, some dog-toothed tunas. Um, wow, man, that that's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. That fish, the dog-toothed tuna, that has to be one of the most badass fish in the ocean. I'd like to hear your perspective, you know, coming from Key West, blackfin, uh, maybe an occasional yellowfin. You probably have some some other experiences with tuna somewhere else maybe. But, I mean, tell me about the, the dog-toothed tuna. Um, they're, they're an incredible fish. They're, uh, you know, you got to be in the right spot at the right time, have the right current. And uh, over in Tonga, where I was introduced to them uh, was just really, really something else. So you see them sometimes swimming in the daisy chain. So they'll be in a line and then you just got these white frosted tips. And that's the first thing you see. They're gray. And then you just see this white little dot moving. <laughs> like, all right. And um, they're really not shy. They don't have any predators in the water uh, besides the spearfisher. And, uh, you just really, I was fortunate to jump right into a guiding role. And I think my first charter in the South Pacific was with, uh, an all-star crew. Um, so I learned a lot of things really fast, but you have to have the right gear. I mean, I'm shooting all, all cable, uh, straight straight line no bungee and you have to have the right float or else they'll just take your gear and they'll just destroy it um, i mean if you dive down the best uh, technique is to have your buddy actually holding on to the line 
So right as you put a spear in it, you just putting as much tension on as possible. And then you, you just have to let go because it's just the strongest fish in the ocean that I've have tangled with. I'm sure they run like a yellowfin tuna, but they'll also swim you into a cave, like a grouper. Wow. So it's, yeah, I think Chris Mandola's first dog tooth tuna in Tonga. Uh, you didn't grab the float line, small fish, maybe 20 pounder swam into a hole about this big, a hundred feet down. And there was only <laughs> one rock and he found that one rock, that one hole. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, I haven't heard that about the dog tooth tuna. I've talked to some other people about it. I had Cameron Kirkconnell on the show. He he's he's shot those things before, but he didn't tell me that they ran into a into the rocks like that. Oh yeah, that's uh, the first thing I'll try to do is try to scrape you off. Uh, so what depth so are I, you are you shooting them? Um, you know, if done properly, you can get them up. Uh, you can get them up. 30 foot maybe even higher so they're 30 uh, feet in the water column but what would be the overall depth i mean they catch them 200 meters down so they'll be they can they're they're like a submarine they can really go any depth they're living on pinnacles so it's there's waves breaking on the reef and then there's just a wall and (laughs) they just live on that wall i mean they go up and down and uh you know, this, that's part of it. You don't really, don't really know everything. There's uh, certainly some people that have it dialed in, but, uh, you know, it's part of the chase, part of the hunt. We were fortunate to get some really quality fish. Uh, Adam got the fish of our trip, which was about, I think, uh, 60 kg is probably had, at least 100. You had that one on, on the, uh, on your Instagram. The thing was- yeah yeah I, put, I took the photos with that on our 10 foot dinghy <laughs> that was our, our first day in the cook so you got a 10 foot dinghy oh here's the here's the picture that i'm looking at right now the top dog tooth tuna it's bigger than him even with his fins it's longer than him and that's incredible <laughs> it's uh it's it's bizarre like how how big that is that's the one right yeah it, that that fish followed so Alex took a dive and he was swimming up and then the fish just followed him up. Wow. He was just curious. and uh, Um, (laughs) Wow. So with all these new fish, when you jump into an ocean and you're seeing new fish, um, I don't have a lot of experience with that. I did go to Australia and every fish I caught in Australia, except for the cobia was not something that I had ever fished for before. Like the permit was a little bit different. But there, there were fish that were different. They were even called something different. But I would say, oh yeah, those are kind of like the like the barramundi. I thought was kind of like a snook. And then they had kind of uh, that Spanish mackerel that you're talking about. I'm wondering if that was the same fish that we were fishing for in Australia, which was more like a wahoo really than a than a mackerel. Um, are you seeing that there's like similarities to all these fish and 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 for uh, sure. There yeah. is. Then you have uh, the Gatravalli. I mean, it has the similar anatomy to a jack Raval. Right. They just don't get as big. Yeah. This is they're just they're just supersized. And then uh, I mean, I caught my first tarpon out here in the bay, right outside the marina. They have tarpon here. Uh, is it uh, a tarpon just like we have? 
Uh, yeah, very similar, like very small differences. Um, How big then, do they get? Because the one in Australia, they they were called ox eye It was herring. tiny. It was small. Okay, they called these things ox eye herring, and they were like baby tarpon, and they were about baby tarpon about two feet long. But the yep. difference was about, is that you could get into a school of these things, and you could just catch them one after another. They never spooked. Like like a ba- you do that with baby tarpon and you you catch one or two and it's over right. But these things in Australia they just kept biting and kept biting and kept biting. It was amazing. I had never seen anything like that. But they didn't. I, and I asked about it, but they didn't. They said they didn't get much bigger than what we were, what we were catching there. But uh, and then I saw I saw that you had a milkfish. It looked like a milkfish anyway. You know, is that what? What do they do with a milkfish? Is that a fish that you spear or do you catch it? Oh, what that do you do? Is, uh- that was my birthday. That was uh, my 30th birthday day in uh, nasty conditions. Uh, the water was milky. Uh, we were in a walloo spot where we've gotten uh, over 40 pound walloos. And uh, what's a walloo? Hold I, on. Uh, they call it a walloo is uh, the Spanish mackerel. Okay, yeah. So okay. it's like our our king mackerel. Exact same anatomy, maybe a little bit taller, maybe a little fatter, but they have a uh, tiger stripes. And they are the most delicious fish. Yeah. I know it probably just because I say mackerel, it turns a few people off, but it is the whitest and like has this nice fat on it and it's pink. It's just like, oh, sashimi wise and cooking wise, I reckon it's uh, one of my top five favorite fish hands down now. It's just like, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, I got one in Australia and then I've kind of figured it out here a little bit with uh, my local guys. And that's probably one of my favorite fish to eat. It's yeah. delicious. But back to the milkfish, it was just a, uh, it was just a reaction shot. I <laughs> thought it was a walloo. I saw the shape and reached out and uh, almost spooled my gun. I've never, it was such a big fight. It fought harder than a walloo and uh, threw it on board. And then I was like, no, it's my biggest mullet I ever got. <laughs> <laughs> they they are. That's what I thought about those too. I was like, these are like mullet, and and except with a tarpon tail, like they've got and this they have giant crazy tail. Gills strainer, sand in his gills, so it's eating sand, probably like a mullet, and uh, really crazy anatomy. Uh, we checked it out. Um, we uh, gave that fish away to a, a big Fijian family, and uh, no fish goes to waste here. And uh, Fiji, Tonga, or any of the South Pacifics, you know, even if uh, they don't feel like dealing with the scraps, it'll go to the animals or, um, so they know how to cook it. <laughs> nice. nice. It's interesting. Uh, you said that you had five, your, your top five fish, one of, one of these, the, the mackerel, the Spanish mackerel from over there had made your top five list. Now that you've spent as much time in the South Pacific, how, what would your top five be? Like that's a, that's like a worldwide list. Do any Key West fish make it in there? Yeah, absolutely. My family's favorite eating fish is, uh, the mutton snapper. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's snapper all over the world. So they all have a similar anatomy and, you know, you can, you find those red snappers worldwide. They're generally really good to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and then you have the black grouper, which is basically the same as the coral trout, just different color, 
And that's another one. Then you have the Walu, Wahoo. And then the last one, I mean, that changes on, that probably changes weekly. <laughs> yeah. Are those dog tooth good? Oh yeah. The dog tooth are, it's actually part of the mackerel family. It's not actually a tuna or a Cam Kirkconnell like to mess with me calling them bonitas. So apparently they could be part of the bonita family. Um, but they have a really nice, beautiful pink meat. It's not red meat like tuna. It's not white meat like wahoo. It's pink. Um, really good to cook. If you overcook it, tastes like chicken. And uh, if you eat it raw, I like to let it sit a day in the fridge. And then it's just like, just uh, melts in your mouth, really. Best sashimi. Really? One day in the refrigerator uh, and then it's perfect. Yeah, it can be a little chewy if you eat it the day of, but if you wait a day, something happens and the the texture just changes. That's awesome, um, man! You're you're uh, you're doing so much cool stuff over there. Um, Fiji looks like man, that place looks like paradise. I mean, you've got you've got mountains and waterfalls and rivers and surf breaks and I mean, what does it not have? Like it's a it's a water sport mecca, really. I mean, I've picked up two new sports since I've been here. Uh, I started kiteboarding, and I've really been able to dial in on my surfing. I've surfed before, but I was far from good, and uh, I've been able to have my best session last week. So I'm really riding high off that, just catching wave after wave, and uh, that that felt good. And then. Yeah, they have the spearfishing, the fishing, you know, we've the yellowfin tuna bite is the best tuna bite I've seen here. Caught Wahoo, uh, caught a marlin here. And uh, I mean, yeah, it can be hard to get out on the water, but once you get plugged in, uh, you know, it's 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 fun to get out to the surf breaks. And uh, so when they like we say it's hard to get out on the water are you finding your way into these like like this group of guys that you're going with next week for a two-week spearfishing trip is that yeah. like a commercial deal like it like, uh, like we do in the keys like you got charter captains that go no, out there and they, they... It's, uh, so one of my friends jesse lee he's a, a fiji airways pilot and he just likes spearfishing so we go out and we have a good time we get fish for us to eat and then we also have uh, my friends who he told me about, Dan Gray, up north uh, that lives in Voli Voli. He does do commercial spearfishing um, along with other uh, ventures that he has. He's a charter captain, dive instructor type guy, and he'll charter his boat. So um, he will sell his fish. He'll vacuum seal it and do it all properly. And... Uh, so that's never a bad thing to to do for a little extra money. You know, nothing goes to waste here in Fiji, especially if you do it properly and uh, seal it and freeze it right and ice it. Ice it. When we go up there, we are going to be crossing some big fish, and generally uh, you have to do a sevu sevu, which is an offering to the village, which uh, they make you bring a, a kava root, which is something that they crush up, grind, and mix in water, and then drink it. It has a relaxing effect, makes your mouth go numb, uh, makes you a little 
little wobbly. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, that's one of the things we can do is uh, give the fish to the villages. And, you know, it makes their day because a lot of the time, you know, a lot of incomes have stopped here. So most people have turned to the farm farming here and to fishing. So it's that's basically, yeah, I think. And before, before uh, it was mostly tourism? Like, is it is yeah, yeah, set it up is. for for like kind of like Key West? Like that's like the the gig, and then yeah, mass mass tourism was their operation. They probably have uh, two hundred thousand uh, people in the hospitality industry here, I think, and probably over half of them probably lost their job during this uh, COVID thing. All these resorts are all shut down. Um, you know, it's so what's it's, the what's kind of the the vibe there surrounding that? I mean, you said before that people have a lot of time on their hands, but I mean, like, what what's that like? I mean, we're we're in in the United States. It's I don't know, man. I mean, there's a lot of bailouts and stuff like that that are going on or going to have to go on. But in in other places like the Bahamas, we, I've been hearing from some of my friends that have houses over there, and it's certainly a different 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 vibe like there's not going to be any bailouts what's fiji like yeah you know they're they're doing they're certainly doing a struggle there's going to be ghost resorts that are going to fail um you know they'll just you know the strong will survive i guess yeah i think that's kind of that's no one's going to starve in Fiji. That's a beautiful thing. There's clean water. There's no shortage of food. So no one's going to starve. It's just, uh, you know, these people that come in built multi-million dollar, possibly billion dollar resorts. They're going to be hurting for quite some time unless they have the financial backing to keep that running for another five years while the, hopefully the tourism picks up. I mean, who knows really what the future is. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though. I, I mean, the closest I've made it to to where you are is Christmas Island, and um, th- that's my that's my experience. Christmas Island and, and Australia really are my experience with that part of the world. Um, that's high I, on the list. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I found um, I found it to be unbelievable. I just loved it. I loved. It was just amazing. I mean, kind did of. Did you see the crabs there? Yeah, I did the first time. I, I saw them the really? first time. Yeah, they were they were so <laughs> thick. And and I was training for a marathon, and I went running, and I didn't oh, no. I didn't ex- I didn't know what was going on, and but the crazy thing was is those crabs will move out of your way, like if you just walk, they won't move out of your way much, but you start running, and they they get out of your way, um, they don't get out of the car's ways. The guides thought it was just hilarious to just smash all of them, but uh, I guess they get tired of them after a while, you know, but I did get to see them the first time. And then I took my boys, my two boys, uh, there. And I was saying, you can't, you won't believe what these crabs are going to look like. It's going to be so awesome. And we didn't see one. <laughs> they were, they were not there. So we missed that. Uh, we missed the the crabs on the second time, but the first time I was able to uh-huh. see them. Yeah. I went, I went, uh, that first time I went with a whole group from Key West, Fitz Coker and, um, John Dickinson, um, and a couple other people went went on that trip that was that was awesome man but i i've always looked at fiji bora bora those places just i mean it's just so beautiful there i mean fiji is like 
I, it seems like Hawaii almost like you got the mountains and the rivers and the, it's just, it just looks like paradise. It, it has that, uh, allure around it. I don't know really where it stemmed from, but you know, just even the name is just kind of, kind of cool in itself. Uh, it's, I don't think it's ever going to be really what you expect until you kind of get here. I recommend if anyone ever wants to come here and just give yourself some time just because it's so, so big. Uh, if you can just, to explore, explore around a little bit. Um, some hot, uh, places that I really highly recommend, uh, my favorite place where I spent my birthday was uh, up in Boli Boli, very quiet, very beautiful, very fishy area. You can kite surf there, um, really relax. And then if you go down to the Coral Coast, you have Beach House, which kind of has that backpack, backpacker vibe where uh, there'll be some parties going on. You know, you can surf there, you can paddle surf, you can kite board, uh, you go offshore fishing. I mean, my first 30 minutes there, <laughs> The owner threw me on a, a fishing boat at noon and we caught 16 yellowfin tuna um, up to like 100 pounds. So, I mean, the fishing can be unreal. Uh, and then once you start going to the remote islands, it only, it only gets a little trickier uh, getting there. But that's where you really got to see the real Fiji is when you get to the remote islands and uh, you really get to see the Bula, the Bula spirit and how nice and how pure some of these places still are. Nice, man. That's, that's awesome. So how does the, um, you, you get there in 30 minutes, you're on a boat with, um, with people, I guess that are fishing all the time. How does the Key West pedigree hold up in the, uh, in, in your spear fishing and the, and, and your above the water fishing? Um, you know, it, it helps to have a background, uh, for sure, you know, it was my profession for five years to put people on fish and catch fish. So I consider myself really kind of a fishing coach and it helps I travel with my gear. I bring, I've brought one spear gun and uh, two fishing rods, my Esky rod and uh, my custom Azores lures. So I, I come with gear and that always, that always helps just to be able to, uh, have one sturdy stick where you can catch anything mm -hmm. and uh just try to you know it's like fishing anywhere you just try to learn from each other i never really go in to try to run the show but just talk with the, the captains and try to try to figure things out and uh see how they do things yeah. um because they, there's a method they have i mean these guys can spot birds like no other and find the tuna like no radar uh, no GPS, no bottom finder. You just back, back to basics in most, most cases. And, uh, just go along for the ride and try to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting though, when you do go to these different places and you're fishing with different people and, and you see like what they do and it's very effective, but often very different, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> it, you can take those little things back, certainly to back to Key West. Now you went, um, you went to Tonga and then back to Key West after a while, right? Yeah. So I worked, uh, 
as a guide there and then came back uh, to Key West, worked a season, and then uh, talked two of my friends from Key West to come follow me out there to Tonga. Uh, Chris Mandola came and then uh, Josh Hugerhide followed as well. They were both two fishing guides out of there. And, uh, you know, they kind of took the leap, the leap of faith and uh we went out there chris came out for like i think three weeks just so he made sure to get a weather window and uh you know it's just nothing like they've really seen before and uh, we still talk about that trip and uh <laughs> chris is dying to get out here to fiji it's uh just because he knows once you see the south pacific it really uh, it just really holds on to you getting to see that live coral and places that are just pristine really and uh it's it's getting less and less now so this is kind of feels like the last frontier really yeah as, uh, <laughs> yeah i can see that and you kind of got this this underlying theme in your in your instagram and and the youtube stuff that i've seen of of kind of uh documenting that and and telling that story is that is that one of the things that you're working on trying to do yeah, you know, it's it's kind of uh it's interesting for me because I'm a fisherman. I harvest fish and uh at the same time I want to protect fish. So, I think there is a way to do it sustainably, and that's really the direction I want to move into is to just cuz you can take the fish doesn't mean you necessarily should. Take what you need, take a few fish, and then leave the rest for another day, try to respect the ocean, you know, uh, teach people not to litter or to throw plastic. Uh, you know, you can sit there and yell at people on social media, but that doesn't always work well or come off properly. So, I mean, the best thing you can do is just try to live by it and try to talk to people actually face to face. like was walking by a shop and someone threw a plastic bottle out their shop. <laughs> I grabbed the bottle and <laughs> flipped it. And I was like, come on. Like, and you just, just try to teach people or at least talk through things and see what the issues really are here. And this, there's this the underlying issue, you know, everyone, the older fishermen, oh, it's not as good as it used to be or, that uh the waters are getting hotter there's more allergy the coral bleaching i mean this is the same conversation that we're having in key west the mainland runoff uh i mean it's we're all having the same problems from australia to new zealand to uh, florida united states i mean it's we all have the same common issue and uh we just need to do a better job of taking care of our waters if we want to enjoy it and if we want uh, future generations to enjoy it. And, uh, I, yeah, I mean, that's where I'm the happiest. So <laughs> yeah. I, I would hate to see it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a bad shape where we can enjoy it. Well, it must change your perspective slightly to, to go to these places that are really the last frontier and see that and then come from a place like Key West to where, I mean, it's still really good, but, you know, fast forward Fiji, maybe a hundred years, uh, I, and, and maybe it's in the same condition as, as Key West today. I, I don't know. 
you 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 have a different perspective on that. Has that changed your perspective seeing these these um these really pristine areas? I mean, yeah, you you hear the the stories in Key West of the older captains and they tell you everything. I I'll start off by saying uh coming to these places and fishing and fishing don't always come easy and the fish tree we have in Key West is like it's unreal. So please know and take that for granted. Like it's, I don't understand how our fishery continues to produce with the pressure that we have compared to the pressures that in the South Pacific, some of these spots do get, get cleaned up and don't, don't really come back and don't reproduce. I think the keys are kind of at a fork in the road They're They're right on the highway. So we get this, rejuvenation of fish and lobsters and from the Gulf of Mexico or through the Atlantic and the fish eggs coming in. I think we're in a real lucky spot for that. And it's pretty, it makes me wonder how we just continue to, uh, take and take and take and it keeps producing. So, uh, that's, it's good that it does, but, um, you know, also you see, see things where it's not as good and how it's been hammered by night divers and nets and you see the long liners in places they're not supposed to be overseas uh you know and it you know it it hurts it hurts to see what's going on and best thing to do i guess is just really kind of talk about it and uh you know maybe try to take a little bit less try to take take a Take some garbage out of the water when you can. Try to cut your plastic pollution from the grocery store. Just uh, try to drink water out of reusable water bottles. Just the little things, you know. That's the main thing. Small steps. Well, the You're small not change the whole world. Right, but those small steps, like the plastic water bottles, man. If 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 you just didn't drink out of a plastic water bottle from now until the rest of your life it's an amazing amount of plastic that you would not yeah. be using. Um, yeah. and then if 10 people do that, a hundred people do that, 500 people do that. It's, uh, it is, it really does add up. It's, it's tremendous. And most of that stuff does end up somewhere balloons, you know, birthday balloons, trash ends up in the ocean. You see it all the time. Yeah. We need a, yeah, there's a holiday going on fireworks. I mean, as you get older and wiser, you kind of see things that don't always make sense. Balloons, fireworks. I mean, it's just pollution that's going straight in the ocean. And uh, it's just small adjustments, I reckon. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's what we got to try to do. It's, uh, it's interesting. So I kind of have that hunter. I res try to respect the ocean and try to give back to the ocean what I take, you know, it's given me so much. So I just try to respect it and try to, you know, get the right thoughts in people's minds, uh, in person wise. And I try to do it through my social media a little bit as well. Right. Well, it's, it's coming through for sure. You see it, you see it in your, in your social media and certainly man, the, the photos that you're, you're taking, um, they're, they're, they're unbelievable. I mean these these uh these underwater photos check this one out. That thing <laughs> that looks like there's no water there. You look like you're that looks like you're just in a studio. It's crazy. Yeah, like there's no 
there's there's not a particle. Yeah, that's a walu, right? <laughs> there's not a and, particle uh, yes. in that water. And, uh, it's unbelievable. But uh, yeah, that's that's super cool. So, um, how, how many of these? What's that? I'll go for it. How many of these these trips, like you're about to take this two week up to a pristine area? How many of those type of trips have you been able to to get on, or maybe not quite that long, but just these spear fishing trips or fishing trips to uh, to these out areas? Oh, oof. I've uh, you know it's not it's not always easy to get out there, but uh, I've had a few trips. I got out to uh, have you any and the Lao group, and uh, been able to jump on a few boats where we've got to see some cool stuff but uh kind of what i was about to say and uh it's interesting it goes back to the cyclone story really i i started my first business building triple c spear guns and uh it, i enjoyed it i built 88 spear guns thus far but uh hurricane irma actually came through and knocked my spear gun shop down and that's what really got me pushed me over to the underwater photography and uh being able to switch to that is uh been really nice you don't always have to get the fish you can still capture the fish or you know uh enjoy the fish and the fish gets to swim away so i'm i think long term i'll probably be moving more towards that and uh try to paint these pictures of these beautiful spots just to share that there are these spots that you can go to they still exist out there, so we should try to protect them because all is not lost, really. I know I can feel it. A lot of things can be doom and gloom, but uh, especially in 2020, but there are still some amazing spots that are worth protecting. And uh, yeah, I'll be sharing some of the stuff as we go up there and hopefully some more good photos to come. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. I had Robert Trossett on. <laughs> we were talking like early in the pandemic where there was a lockdown and and basically the the pressure and the keys really went from what it normally is to virtually no pressure and he yeah. kind of mentioned that he felt like it was a it was a nature's reset like like usually you know these tarpon would have all these anglers fishing for them or the the mutton snappers would have all these fishermen fishing for them and and they just weren't there like there just weren't boats out there fishing for them and he thought that was obviously pretty good for to to give to give nature a, a reset to give the fishery a a year off basically. Did you see that? Obviously, if there's no tourism going on in Fiji, and, and is that kind of the same kind of thing that you're seeing there? Did did the pressure relieve because of yeah? COVID? I mean, they had the tuna season. We had was probably the best they've had in over five years. Uh, and uh, we just went out. Now it's mahi season, and uh, it was just no shortage of fish. It's uh, really been a fishy year. I think the pressure does help. Um, you know, there shouldn't be long liners here in Fiji. Uh, there probably still are a few, few pirates out there, but uh, you're not seeing them. Uh, light up the the south coast at night you're not seeing uh them so yeah it definitely it definitely has helped a little bit and i think it's just kind of a 
kind of a wake up call what it what it could be if we you know give it give it some rest give it some break it can come back it can come back and try to make it sustainable i think that's the key uh there's a really good uh dave and Attenborough uh movie that came out uh on netflix and that's really uh i think a good starting point uh you know he talks about how wild the world was and how we're it's getting less and less wild and uh it's you know he actually talks about a way on how we can uh make things better rewild the world if uh and make it make it you know diverse instead of taking taking and taking uh yeah <laughs> yeah well that's that's certainly um could be accomplished if if uh if no if there's not much travel like like this year i don't know how long this is going to last but if if uh yeah. if fiji has virtually no tourists for a while um that's going to have an effect on on how much uh how much is being harvested out of the ocean? If you don't need to harvest it out of the ocean, they probably won't. So I would imagine that that would that would really relieve the pressure a lot. It's a it's a it's a weird time. Twenty twenty is is definitely the strangest year of my life. Um, where, I mean, just just the 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 lockdown and on the one hand you're kind of happy that there's a there's a a lack of pressure in certain areas, and on the other hand it's kind of like well I'd kind of like to go there. <laughs> like I want to I'd kind of like to go there. I don't know how long we're going to be locked in. And speaking of that, um, what is your what is your forecast for for what you're going to do in the in the future? Are you gonna Are you planning on staying there? Are you uh, Could you even leave right now if you wanted to? Yeah, I could. I could leave. Uh, I've been fortunate. You know, I'm so lucky to be uh, in a place like this during this crazy time. In you missed home. Uh, I I wasn't really accounting. <laughs> I don't think anyone was really accounting for this. I just went on a sailing trip and managed to have good timing to be at a good spot. Um, I was fortunate to uh, find a girlfriend here. So it's uh, thinking kind of for two now and probably going right out to New Year here. I, I believe, you know, uh, 2020, get out the door <laughs> and uh, hopefully some new travel guidelines kind of pop up in uh 2021 i think they'll at least have a little bit of time to compensate and maybe travel will be a little bit more smooth and uh my goal was to keep heading west and i think i'm gonna stick to that and uh probably shoot for europe and uh have some unfinished business and uh you know truth be told i think i have the azores islands calling me is that right is that the unfinished business oh it's just Oh, it's, it's an island group. Oh, it's just, you know, the island life's the best life in my opinion. And uh, the Zores really had a lasting effect on me. And after three, four years, I really can't stop thinking about it. So I'm going to try to get back there and uh, eventually back home to Key West, but uh, no real timetable. <laughs> nice. Well, we've got a lot of people that listen to this show in Key West, so you can say hi to all of them. Um, yes, yes, miss you all. Uh, hope the island's doing well. Seems like we're surviving down there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that uh, everybody from Key West will be happy to know that you're you're in a you're in a great spot. You seem like you're thriving. Um, 
it's a weird time, but you you certainly landed in a really cool place and and uh, I really I really uh, can't say enough about your Instagram. It's it's really super, really high quality. Uh, the photos that you're taking are amazing. The videos, the 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 stuff. If you want to follow follow triple C T R I P L E C dot Cole. That's his Instagram. That's uh, that's awesome. What else? How el- how else could people um, follow you? What's the YouTube or do you have, do any other social media or uh, yeah. anything? Yeah, I have a, I have a YouTube and a Instagram. Those are really my main two. You can always just search my name, Cole Harrison, and I should pop up um, on Instagram or on YouTube. And uh, yeah, there's some videos on there. I has a few things that I need to come out with. Uh, really depends on the time. And uh, yeah, got another adventure coming up. Should be hopefully some some amazing things happening. These guys. Uh, grew up where we're going so they they know what they're doing and uh we're my girlfriend's gonna be doing her free diving class there and uh yeah we'll see we'll see what happens see what the future brings i think uh yeah it's good it's i think uh i think we're gonna be all right covid and everything we'll make it through yeah Uh, we're gonna make it through it's just gonna take a little bit of patience and uh it is. probably take a little longer than any of us than any of us hope or or want it to but uh but we'll we'll all make it through it i, I feel very confident about that but uh man it's been great to uh to meet you and catch up with you uh i don't think yeah, we ever crossed paths in key west uh strangely but um yeah it's nice to uh it's nice to put a put a name to a face and anybody that jake perry is is impressed with what they're doing i was like yeah i'm gonna check that guy out and uh he was right man you're doing some awesome stuff it's really cool um so everybody will uh go follow cole and um reach out tell him that you listened and uh say hi yeah thanks for having me yeah man after your uh after your next trip let's hook up again and uh i'd like to hear about how that how that deal went sounds good um thanks for having me and uh Enjoy your evening. I'm going to get my morning started and uh, throw these chains and get the sailboat cyclone ready. Hopefully it's not a bad season like you all had. Yeah, I hope <laughs> so. <good>. Man, <laughs> good luck, Cole. Thanks for thanks for filling us in, and uh, it was great having you. Oh, it was a pleasure. All right. Take care. See ya. <laughs> you.